0: so that y'all know how manly I am, I'm going to light a fire on the stage. Whoa! You're so welcome. I have made fire, right? Um, I want to talk for just a second about what today's all about. There's this thought out there of what men need to become. We started talking about it last week that we're in the years now of the Mel rompums of mani of lace shorts for men, um, we've got a problem, right? That we don't really know what manhood is. And I told you last week that um, one of the popular body sprays out there has said that it doesn't need to have a definition of man uh, to be a man. And I told you that Dale, our associate pastor, looked up being a man, and it said a person, either a man or a woman. So we have a really fuzzy view of what it means to be a man in our culture and does God say what it means to be a man. So last week we talked about to be a man you have to do manly things and this week we're going to talk about to be a man you have to travel in a pack and I I want to explain that to you this week and and just share with you where God spoke this into my mind. I know there's a a thought out there that would say that well Jesus didn't travel in a pack which is a lie right because Jesus traveled with who? The disciples. They didn't get it all the time and certainly we hear the disciples say, hey, I want a drink of the cup you're drinking and Jesus tells them, you got it. You can drink of this cup. Come on with me. You're not going to like it. And then we get someone like a, a, a John who's baptizing in the wilderness, who many would say is the Lone Ranger, right? However, we hear later in Scripture that there are some people that approach Jesus and they're called John's disciples, and they say, are you really Jesus? We, John asked us to come and, and ask the question, are you really him? So we get throughout Scripture, even the Lone Rangers, how about Moses? Well, he certainly was all by himself, right? No, listen, he had Aaron, remember? He traveled in packs. We, we get this, that to be men, we travel in packs, and that is why we see so often in Scripture that it says brothers or men, because we should always be in packs. And I started to think about this, that Uh, To travel in a pack, sometimes the best thing you can do is, you know, roast a marshmallow. Um, So I thought about it a lot, and clearly y'all have seen how I light some flames. So you take your skewer, you know, and you, I I just don't know if it's going to work or not. Um, Yeah, it's blackening up a little bit, I guess. It's getting there. Yeah, it's melting. That's good. You know, you ever wonder as you sit around a campfire with friends, the conversations you have, start to wonder, is this really working out? Um, How's life? How's the family? Start to ask the real questions. Start to really get down to the nitty-gritty. I mean, the campfire just allows you to... uh, see things differently doesn't it now I would eat this marshmallow but two things I learned beforehand one there comes a time in marshmallows life where they all join together and become one marshmallow ours is past that time the other is I'm lighting it off of a centronella candle back here that keeps you away from mosquitoes and I'm pretty certain while it may keep away mosquitoes, it may add some other things in my life that I just don't want. A real man would not eat it. <laughs> real men are smart, too. Anyways, um, yeah. So as I was looking through Scripture and as the series was being woven together, I started asking God what would you say to men Um, because clearly he cares about culture. God cares about what's happening today as much as he did when the Bible was being written. And so because of that I think he has something to say about where our culture is going and where masculinity is going as well. And so I I began to read through the scriptures and I told you the arches that Paul's writing this letter and he says keep the faith, stay strong, act like a man. And I started to wonder, how do we teach people to act like men? Because is there a guidepost by which we get from Scripture that we should be living after God? And I think Hebrews 10 continues this with us. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Hebrews 10 19 says this, therefore, brothers. So, right off the bat, do you capture what it says? Brothers. Why? Why would it say brothers? Because I believe that God wants men to rise up and lead. I don't believe this makes us chauvinistic. I don't believe that this makes us cold and calloused. I believe it makes us right. I believe it models us after God's nature. And so when he calls to brothers, he's calling for the men to listen closely. He says, therefore, brothers, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, he has opened for us through the curtain, that is his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. And let us be concerned about one another in order to promote love and good works, not uh, staying away from our fellowship meetings, our worship meetings, as some are habitually doing but encouraging each other, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Amen. Man, there's some great moments for us to sit around the campfire and talk about this morning. As we begin to pack together and we start to identify that doing this Christian life is worth doing together. I believe that the all through Scripture tells us that our faith is supposed to be lived out and encouraged amongst each other. That's why we have church world. That's why we get together. It's not so that you can just come and check it off your list. It's so that you can gather around the fire and you can go, I think I get this. I, I think that I, I don't get this, so can you help me? You ever had that moment where you had a question that you didn't know how to answer? And you showed up at church and that particular Sunday, your life group leader had the answer to answer that question from Scripture? I, I can't tell you the number of times that after church, I'll visit with a life group leader, and they'll walk up and they'll go, Pastor Kyle, you won't believe. But what I talked about today in life group went right where you were today in church. And can I just tell you, I don't believe in coincidences. I don't think things just happen. I believe God orchestrates things. And so when you hear it in life group, when you hear it again in church, you're probably one of those people that, that kind of needs to hear it so that you understand it and you soak it in. At least that's what my mom taught me growing up. She had to tell me more than once there was something wrong and I needed to fix something. And so she said, Kyle, take out the trash. And then she had to tell me again, Kyle, take out the trash. And then if I didn't do it the second time, usually it was my dad that told me the third time. And no one wanted dad to have to give those directions. We sat around the campfire, me and dad. And he said, move in closer. Let me teach you something. You had those moments? So in this Hebrews passage, we, we get a few things that as a pack we need to get today, brothers. The first is this, the pack runs with confidence. We get that from Hebrews chapter 10. It tells us there, Therefore, brothers, since we have the boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way he is open for us through the curtain that is his flesh. Now, before we, we drive you out, if you're new to Quell Creek and maybe you're new to faith or just new to church at all, I, I want to talk to you about what this is really talking about. Because you may be saying, a curtain in flesh, a curtain of flesh, that sounds disgusting. And and listen, if that's where we stopped, you'd be right. I mean, we talk about it often in the church, we we tend to talk about blood. We tend to talk about flesh. So if you're new to church or you're new to you know, faith at all, you're going, that sounds awful. Um, So let me explain it to you. First thing is this. In the temple early back in the day, when they're setting up the temple in the wilderness, they build this curtain that separates everyone from God's presence, except for a priest that would come in and he would lay some atoning blood at the altar for the people. So this curtain was always there. It was the separation of God's holiness from all of us. So Jesus appears on the scene many years later. He is God wrapped in flesh. He is God amongst us. He is Emmanuel. He's with us. He lives this perfect life. He goes through life and he doesn't sin. He's tempted in every way, scripture says. So when you're tempted, you can just know that Jesus has been there and done that, but he didn't sin. Ultimately, he's led to a cross. You know about this. You've heard about the cross, and you've heard about Jesus dying on the cross. And when he dies, it says that he gives his life for us. And at the point of his death, it says that the curtain that is now moved into this large building is torn. Meaning that because Jesus died for us, now God's holiness can dwell in us. So we can have this confidence to go to God because of who Jesus was and is still to be in us. We have confidence. So as a pack, we can run with confidence. You ever seen the difference in that? I mean, I can remember playing in sports against a team you knew that was superior. And you know what I'm talking about. They show up and they're bigger and they're faster than you. They have pedigree. So like they've won a lot and your team hasn't. You're, you ever been there? You stand on the sideline or the court side and you start to talk? Wow, they're really big. Man, they're fast. Or even before that week starts, you hear it in the locker room, you know, they've won a lot. You know, they won state like three years in a row. And maybe you had that experience where you've had that conversation happen. And in our culture, we get this. And maybe you don't think about it, but it's there all the time. Wow. Wow. Did you see how bad his life turned out? Yeah, I mean, he goes to church. Can you imagine? Hey, man, his marriage failed. Have, can you imagine? I mean, I thought church changed you somehow. Hey, did you see his struggle? I mean, that guy's been in our Bible study. Have you seen it? Let's admit something today with each other. The first is this. If you thought church was a place that was absent of gossip, you don't understand what church is. Church is a place where broken and lost people come to hear about Jesus. So none of us in this room today has got it polished. We're all broken. If you came to church to not be judged, can you find any place on the planet there's not judgment? Walk into Walmart for 10 seconds. You're probably on their website, right? <laughs> you know, I just came to buy some soap, and you're like, yeah, you need it. Um, we, we get judgment everywhere, don't we? Like everywhere we go, we see it. And so people come to church and they go, oh, I was judged there. And you go, well, I mean, of course you are. Because those broken people show up at church too. I mean, that's, that's the hardship of church world. Is people show up here and they expect something different than they see anywhere else. But can I tell you the difference? The difference happens in something special. The difference happens when those broken people come together. And they start to point towards Jesus. And all of a sudden, and I, I wish I knew what this was, the maybe the secret sauce, if you will. All of a sudden, Jesus shows up. And when his presence falls on a church, all of a sudden it doesn't matter who looks at you or judges you or is going to gossip about you at lunch later because you're not going to get caught up in it. You see, because you can see the the other team across the field. And the other team is not the person that's judging you. The other person doesn't believe that Jesus brings freedom. And because of that, we can either live in defeat or we can live with some encouragement in our lives. So here's the thing. To run in a pack, we have to identify something real quick. The pack has a leader. It's just not you. We run in packs. We we get together and we... Just conquer. I mean, we get it with wolves, right? Like wolves traveling packs. But I heard something the other day. An author that I follow said that there's a new pack running around of snakes. Yeah, snakes are now running in packs. They all live in Washington, but they're all running in packs. Um, can you imagine being out in the middle of nowhere? You're at the fire. You see a snake, and you go, huh, that's no good. And you turn, there's another snake. And another snake, and you're surrounded by snakes. You know what I do? I jump in the fire. (laughs) I'd rather die that way. I don't know about y'all. Y'all can live with snakes. Maybe you're the snake whisperer. You're like, I'm like, no. I'd be like Indiana Jones all of a sudden. I look like Edward Scissorhands there for a second, but I'd be Indiana Jones. <laughs> and I, I'm telling you, if snakes are in and packs like they do, and I saw them, Brian would be with me. We find snakes together, and birds for that matter. Uh, they, they fly around the church. It's an amazing thing. Uh, but here's the other thing. So they run with confidence because of Jesus. So we run together. We run with confidence. We run expecting God to do something amazing. Amen. But here's the other thing. We run unwavering. They're unwavering in their approach. Not only do we run with confidence, we're unwavering in it. What does scripture say to us? Verse 21, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with the true heart and full assurance of faith. Our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who has promised is faithful. Let me tell you something I know about you. Because it's true of me. There's times we waver. There's times we struggle. You see, this unwavering doesn't have to do with you. It has to do with you holding on to him. When the pack all holds on to Jesus, something amazing happens. God moves the whole pack in his direction. I I love to see when things come together. Have you ever been there where you're you're working on something, and it doesn't seem like it's clicking at first, and then all of a sudden it just works. And I love to sit back and go, yeah, that's awesome. I'll give you uh, an interesting one. I, it's just pretty current to where we are. We've, been, uh, we've had a crew working up in the fellowship hall, building a bigger stage, moving our sound booth to make it more you know available for our groups to be in. And man, I, I just commend Brian and the students that worked up there, uh, his helpers that have been working. Man, it looks awesome. But you know it's it's always interesting when you start, right? You just don't know what it's gonna look like in the outcome. You kind of look at it and go, hope that works or hope hope that levels out and you look at it now and that's this finished product and it's beautiful. And you go, man, that's that's something. That's awesome. I mean, I like that. You ever found yourself wandering and wondering, God, how are you gonna put this together? How are you going to change it to where I'm, I'm wandering around, but I really want something to be accomplished in my life? So you don't know what the outcome is. Maybe it's a future of, maybe it's for the seniors that just graduated. What, what am I going to become? Maybe it's for parents of those seniors. What are they going to become? And When are they going to get off my payroll, right? No matter what it is and whatever season of life you're in, There's this undone thing that you're asking God to change in your heart. And and he's saying, you're getting lost in all this stuff. Get lost in who I am. Be unwavering in your faith. Be unwavering in the hope I weave in you. Because of Jesus, you can hold on to something great. Come up close to the fireplace. Come here for me. Not only do they run with confidence, not only are they unwavering, but they leave no man behind. Verse 24 says, let us be concerned about one another in order to promote love and good works we have to look and make sure that we leave no person behind last week I, I want to make a confession to you at the end of the sermon I was praying and I asked some men to come forward and I just said if you'd stand here and be available and then even if you won't be available if you just come up and say I'd like to be a part of a group of men and I, I started to pray and I, I just I said it out loud I'm gonna close my eyes I'm not gonna look around Lord send some men and and in my mind, I'm praying, God, send about eight men at least. I mean, Lord, if I open my eyes and there's eight men, I'll have some confidence. And I open my eyes and I see men starting from here and going all the way over there and men from here and all the way over there. And can I just be honest? I, I was shocked. And uh, later that afternoon, I started talking to the Lord and I was like, Lord, forgive my shock. Forgive me for the fact that I believe that God can do anything. What's more is I believe that God not only makes us run with confidence and lives a life of unwavering, but I think he holds us accountable to make sure everybody comes along. This is what it looks like. Last week, you men that came forward and and formed those clusters, those packs, now is your opportunity to start looking for men that didn't get a chance to come and be a part. Who are they that didn't have a chance to walk forward and be a part of something? you ever felt left out of something like you're going to play dodgeball and they pick two leaders and they say all right pick from your own and they start picking people and there's like you and the one kid on crutches (laughs) no okay just me that's all right um and he always gets picked before you and the last team's like "Ah, we'll take Kyle and you get in there and they're like can you just be a mascot um Yeah, they're like, we're playing dodgeball. Can you stand up front like this? Just cover us. How crazy must it be in faith for men to walk into churches all over our nation and never have another man shake their hand or ask them their name? That they live their whole lives of their spiritual walk and never have one other man in their life that challenges them to live their faith out. I mean, what have we become if we're not challenging our men to rise, if we're not challenging our men to stand, if we're leaving our brothers behind? We, uh, we've got a, a man in our church that's uh, a leader of a, a big organization here in town, um, and he commands men. And because uh, I asked him some questions, what does it look like when you're training men and women at that point, too, in his trade, uh, to be a pack, to stay together? He said, in our field, we run into the worst of the worst. So when people are running out, we must run in. And we've got to know the person next to us is going to stay shoulder to shoulder. That we'll never turn around and be alone. And that's the world that we live in. How many men are running to the fight only to find out they're the only ones running? They turn to look for brothers in the faith and they see no one. Let me ask you a question, man. I want you to be honest with me. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand here in a second and then I just want you to leave it up are you with me everybody understand as men how many of you in this room would say that there has been a season or maybe you're in the season now where you feel completely alone in your faith raise your hand don't be afraid go ahead any others any others okay so you're not alone right We're not alone in this thing. There's times that we feel alone in our faith. And can I just tell you, that's the work of the enemy. He wants you to be alone. He wants you to be completely isolated. In a wolf pack, what they'll do is they'll take their oldest wounded wolves and they'll put them up front. And those wounded wolves will lead the way. And here's why. The next set of wolves are the strongest. So if they approach something that wants to take out their wounded and their weak, those strong wolves come to their rescue. Behind them are all the rest of the wolves that are in the pack. And at the very end is another set of strong wolves. Now, tell me that God's not an amazing creator, that he can create wolves that get the story of what God wants us to be. Why is it that we hide our wounded in church? You know, we say, please, please don't talk. Uh, Please, when we do this, please don't be up front. Sit in the back so that no one sees the wounds. Why is it that we as men hide our wounds? As though we think we can just hide in the back of the pack and when something comes, if we die, we die. Why not we as champions, as men, start to say, if you're wounded, come amongst us. Get amongst our people in faith that don't have it all together, but that at least are striving towards Jesus and come be around them. So that when the devil comes up against you, you got some men around you that go, not today. You need to back on off. This guy right here, he's one of ours. Back off. So if you've ever felt alone, if you've ever felt discouraged, it's because we forgot that we're to be people in a pack. We're to call out to one another. We're to sharpen one another. We're to be there for one another. And when we're not, we're not living out a biblical way of doing faith as men. Here's what's more. Men of our church, do you want our women to grow in a pack and have women around them that encourage them and challenge them? Then let's model it. Men of our church, you want our children and our students to be around students and children that challenge their faith and lead them forward. Then let's model it. They will never model what the men of the church will not do. So let me just give you a for instance. If we're going to say that we're a church that believes that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him, we also have to model as a pack what it means to lead people to Jesus. Cause if not the next generation won't get it they're not going to do it they won't even show up to church now i do want to say something cool to you before we get to our last point i read this article by um, the southern baptist convention they put it out on twitter and and they said that of baptist churches in our nation like 60 percent now are in decline They're baptizing less, they're growing less, and they're dying faster than ever. A thousand churches a year. That's why they start new churches, by the way. It's because the old churches die because they're unwilling to change anything, and they simply let culture go this way, and the church goes that way, and they're not reaching people anymore. And so I I went to Sharon this week, and I said, Sharon, I need the numbers. Where are we at? Where are we at versus last year? And last year... We we baptized a good group of people and God moved in our in our church. Yeah. So far this year, we've already eclipsed last year's number. We're at, we're at month six. Okay, maybe y'all y'all didn't catch that. Let me just say it again. Last year we we baptized a lot of people, and God moved, and we were excited every time somebody came to know Christ and was baptized, and we celebrated every time they're baptized. We in the church were woo! Yay! yay like that, right? And, we, and I'm, I'm, we're encouraging. That's why we had the children come in, because they like to clap more than y'all do. In fact, they, they think that church should be fun, you know, that it's, it's okay to maybe, like, raise your hands in church. And, you know, maybe, like, smile. But they, They're okay with that. They like walking into the church until they see us. They're like, ha, oh. So we baptized a lot of people. But so far, we're at month six right now of the calendar year, and we've baptized more people than we did last year. Amen? (laughs) Here's why that's worth celebrating. It's not worth celebrating just to celebrate. It's worth celebrating because that's the kind of things that heaven cheers for. And if we get in the mindset of cheering for the things that heaven cheers for, I think we're in good company. So let's not get tired or weary yet. In fact, until God calls you home, don't get there. And if it takes you being refined or drinking energy drinks before you come to church or doing it before your quiet time, you need to wake up and drink some Red Bull and spend some time with Jesus. Because if that's what it takes, bring it. Because on the other side of that Bible is the Holy Spirit that's always energized for you. He doesn't have to show up and and drink anything special, but he's ready to energize you. So here's the last part of this passage. Not only do we get this uh, confidence to come before God in a pack and run as brothers, not only do we become unwavering in our faith and, and the effect of that, not only do we look out for one another and leave no man behind, but here's the last. We celebrate each other. Here's where I get that. Verse 25, not straying away from our worship meetings, as some are habitually do, but encourage each other. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Amen. We have this saying in our staff, what you celebrate gets replicated. And we used to celebrate things as a staff that frankly didn't matter. Uh, can I give you a few? Like we celebrated some things that just weren't great, like, hey, the sprinklers actually worked today. Yay! glitter (laughs) um I never use glitter that I don't know why glitter came up that's I mean it's it's like snakes and glitter in that order anyways um but we used to celebrate that now we're trying to celebrate the right things and I want to encourage you to celebrate the right things in each other here's what I want you to celebrate I want you to celebrate devotion to the word You should know what others are doing in the word. You should have an accountability partner that encourages you to read your Bible like I do. And when I don't and I get their text, I'm like, oh, I need to read my Bible. And when they find me, they say, let me see your Bible. I mean, you should expect your pastor to read their Bible, right? Right? So should I of you. Because the only difference between me and you is this is my skill trade. But we're all children of God called by his purpose according to his glory. So, you should spend time in the Bible too. Amen. We should hold each other accountable to our prayer life. You may be like, how, how do I do that? How about this? How about find somebody after church today and go, You know what? How are you doing? Yeah, come on over here. Would you pray for me? And just let them pray. And then say, Can I pray for you? And find them every Sunday. Make it uncomfortable. Find them as they're walking in the door and just open the door for them and go, Howdy! Let's pray. They'll be like, oh, and eventually you know what they'll say back to you? I see you. Let's pray. Hold each other accountable to faithfulness to spending time in fellowship with one another, which is why we keep a track of your, your being here at church and life group. If you're not going to a life group at Quail Creek, you're getting half of the greatness of what we do. Maybe even like a 25th of it. Life group is kind of where we do life together and if you don't have a life group you're missing out we have incredible life group teachers and incredible life groups to go to we have spaces for children and youth and adults and senior adults singles you name it we we have a place for you you just need to show up but listen part of that is we hold each other accountable to be here so this week we, we just asked the question what are our numbers and i mean you can look around right god's been good to us we We came from a place about three years ago where we would have prayed for this number. We were like, oh Lord, what's going to happen? So the Lord keeps adding to us as time goes on. Here's the crazy part about that. Like any church, there's a reality number and then the pastor number. And here's how you find out the pastor number of a church. You show up to a pastor's meeting and you go, hello brother how's your church doing And they go oh we're great you go well how many do you have coming 17,000 you're like oh that's amazing how many were in church on Sunday 50 oh what so there's the the church number and then the pastor number let me give you the pastor number of Quell Creek this is just the people that came and took their photo for the directory are you ready 835 right so now let me give you the church number today about 350 here's the problem with that that means half of our church doesn't show up on Sunday like hi right so half of them are either at home watching us on Facebook hey how are you doing or or they're not going anywhere if we don't leave anybody behind where have they gone if we believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that we should hold each other accountable and, and keep each other in fellowship, my question to you is this, who are we missing? All right, our brothers in the room? Who are the men that have gone invisible? We know their names. We know where they live. You may even have their number. But you need to make a call today. I'm not asking you to wait for tomorrow. I'm asking you to do it today. It's time to call a brother up and say, where have you been? I missed you. Let's come close to the fire. Let's talk. How's life? How are the kids? How's your faith? How's your prayer life? A lot of good things happen around the fire. A lot of good conversations. You ready to have one with God today? Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, I pray, Lord, that you would just speak over us and through us today, God, that you'd move in a mighty way. God, you'd speak to our men, God, as we learn how to travel in packs once again, holding each other accountable, not neglecting fellowship, reminding each other that we need to be people of faith, encouraging one another to be the husbands you've called us to be or just the men, period, that you called us to be. God, if we're fathers, to be the father we're supposed to be. God, help us to run in packs. Help us to be people of courage. God, I ask today that you just move in a mighty way. God, astound us, shock us, move through us, and remind us, God, that churches that are the strongest are churches that minister to one another. So lead us, God. We pray this in the name of Jesus and for his sake. Amen. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Would you stand where you are? I'm going to ask you to do me a favor this morning. Maybe your pack's with you today why don't you ask them to come and join you at the altar? The other is, why don't you start the question, who's not with us today that we need to reach out to? Who needs to be in our pack? Are you ready? Let's do time with the Lord this morning as we worship.